the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is not about you. This is all about him. As soon as you get over that narcissism and let God have his way, the more he will be glorified in your life. He will do just what he said because he cannot lie, he cannot change, and he will not what? Fail. He will bring you into everlasting glory if you simply let God be God. Hi there. Welcome. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan coming to you from Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. Today we are back in our message simply entitled, The Table of Which We Eat. We're taking an in-depth look at what we do when we partake of the Lord's table, what it is we're proclaiming, and what it is we're actually doing, and the grace that is afforded to us at this table. We invite you to spend time with us as we continue our survey of this amazing ordinance that Jesus has left us with. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. While he was engaging in the table with his disciples, guess what was happening all day long? The lambs were being prepared for the slaughter. Every lamb pointing to the Lamb of God. And this is why Jesus said, this is the New Testament in my what? My blood. My blood, which is shed for you. Here he is personifying that very act that Israel engaged in every year called Passover, where they slew thousands, tens of thousands of lambs, anticipating one day the Messiah coming, who would be the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And mark what the language will tell us here as we look at it explicitly in verse 11. Look at verse 11. Exodus 12, 11. And thus shall you do what? Now I want you to mark that now. You kill it. You offer some to God and the rest you do what? All right. This is where you got to pause and really think through the goodness of God. This is why what I was doing in the opening of our monologue was trying to condition you to understand that to be a partaker of the divine nature You have to not only observe it, affirm it, but you have to imbibe it. You have to ingest it. You have to feed on it. Here's the very sacrifice that God is offering up for your sin. Guess what he's calling you to do? Feed on it. That very sacrifice has to also be part of the very grounds upon which you live. It's essential that you and I understand that's what that table is about. And if we were to extrapolate it throughout the whole of the sacrificial system, guess who is also eating of that same sacrifice? God himself. According to the word of God, he gets the choicest parts of the sacrifice. He gets the fat. 
The fat is the Lord's. That is the choicest parts of the sacrifice. It's symbolizing the richness and the profundity of our union with God through the metaphor of feeding. We are not cannibals. We are children of the living God. But we feed on that one thing that God has given to the world by which we might live. And that is the eternal son of the living God. They were to fatten it up and then they were to kill it and then they were to eat it. With your loins girded, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand and you shall eat it in haste. It is called the what? The Lord's Passover. Now, what he's doing here after several thousands of years of using the sacrifice as a central emblem of worship for without the shedding of blood, there is no what? Sinners need a substitute. And so in real worship, the substitute doctrine has to always be set forth. But at some point, the substitute becomes the payment that releases you from your prison. And so this is what's going on here in our account in Exodus, which is a beautiful, beautiful picture. Notice, if you will, over in Exodus chapter 15, verse 16, where they are celebrating Israel coming out of Egypt. Here's the language that it uses. I got one more verse afterwards. Notice what it says in Exodus 15, 16. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. Now, I want you to mark what that is. This is not about upon Israel. This is upon all of God's enemies. Because what they watched occur was God deliver his people who were slaves of Pharaoh out of the greatest nation of the world. The whole world watched how God busted up Egypt for over a year and how his people walked out and walked across the Red Sea. And everybody knew now that there is no God like the God of Israel. Did you guys get that? Everybody saw it and according to the language, Fear and dread fell on them. And here's the reason why. Egypt was the hierarchy of nations in that day. If you could take Egypt out, there is no power greater than your power. There's a sense then in which your redemption and mine indicates or represents or demonstrates God's power. There's a sense in which you and I must understand that when you tell men and women you are redeemed, you are redeemed. You are redeemed. You are saying a power of the greatest sort has liberated me from my bondage and from my captivity. And one of the affirmative expressions of you being redeemed is that you walk free out of the clutches of the enemy. And now you become the product of a whole nother power. The very power that delivered you out of that power now is your king. Now is your God. Now is your ruler. Am I making some sense? Watch it now. You were a slave of the world. Now you are a slave of Jehovah. You are Jehovah's free people like you learned last week. If you are a slave of Christ, you're the freest person in the world. If you're Christ's free man, then you are also his servant. In other words, none of us are totally free. So utterly abolish the notion that, you know, I'm free. No, you're not. Somebody owns you. And I'm glad to declare that not only do I understand the sacrificial atoning work of the God that loved me enough to lay down his life and to cover my nakedness, but to set me free from the house of bondage and allow me to walk out with my head high because of a high and lifted up hand. This is called the redeemed people of God. Redemption by the blood of the lamb. 
And it's really important for you to get that child of God because God is glorified in your freedom. Please understand the father's gift of Christ in his sacrifice is pictured in his love for you to forgive you of your sins, but also to liberate you. Are you a child of God? Then there was power given you to walk away from evil. There's power given to you to begin to walk away from sinful patterns. There's power given you to overcome the devil's tyranny. There's power given to you to overcome the tendencies of your flesh to live on that low level of slavery. Am I making some sense? Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall say so as they make their way to Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. That's how the hymn writer puts it. So when we're talking about this matter of the table, we are saying a lot of things to people, are we not? God has freed me to come be part of his priestly family. You're going to hear it here again in a moment. Notice what the language says. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of your arm. They shall be as still as a stone. The people that observed it, they're going to hold their peace and say nothing because they're going, whoa, look what God did to Pharaoh and how he liberated his people as he said he would. Now watch this. They're as still as a stone until your people do what? Pass over. Oh, Lord, tell the people do what? Which... You have got it. First point, sacrifice rooted in love. Greater love hath no man than this rooted in covering. Right. Love covers a multitude of sin. Now we have that sacrifice that emblemizes our freedom from the powers of this world system. We believe that, don't we? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? And what? And of a sound mind. Now, see, this will shake people up in this world when you and I start walking as free children of God. When, when, when the world sees you walking in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free, they're going to shake and tremble, get mad at you, want to throw rocks at you. But nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, because we're free people. That's what this table is teaching. People can't come to this table if they haven't declared their freedom in Christ. Am I making sense? But to declare your freedom, you got to know that Christ purchased you and you are his. And this is what Israel was made to do as a picture of that ultimate redemption. I love the way this language puts it. Listen to it here over in Exodus chapter six, verses six through eight. I just want you to hear it. Exodus six, six through eight. This is God preparing them. He says, wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am Jehovah and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Y'all can make an application right now because we have neo-Egyptian systems in our world that keep us trapped and keep us bound and keep us hindered and keep us from operating out of the identity that we have in Christ. But what does God say? I will bring you out from under their burden. See, God is glorified to liberate his people when they want to own him. Watch it. And I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will, here it is again, redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great. Now, God said that he sent that email before he started to work. Did y'all get that? 
God sent that text. He sent that notice. That Twitter came and says, I'm on my way to deliver you out. I'm going to redeem you and I'm going to be glorified in your liberation. And I'm going to do it with a mighty hand. And did he not do it? Did he not do it? Yes, he did. It was a beautiful thing. We know that. We know that. And many of us know this in our own life. That's why several of the people are getting in the water. Because they're going to testify here in a moment how that they were once bound and then God set them free. They were blind and then God opened their eyes. They were dead and God gave them life. They're getting ready to testify to their dirty, but God washed them by the washing of the water of the word of the living God. And they're about to emblemize this right here. Y'all understand that? See, the people that are not initiated, they don't quite get it, but I'm happy whenever people of God stand up and say so. See, today they get to stand up and say so. And every time we take of the bread and of the cup, we get to stand up and say so. I'm here by the grace of God. I'm here because God redeemed me. I'm here because he shed his blood. I'm here because God loved me enough to cover my nakedness. And how can I not celebrate God's goodness in the house of the Lord with the people of God when he redeemed us from every evil under heaven and he's still redeeming us, still redeeming us. I think one of the reasons why we are not winning battles like we should is because we're not praising him as we ought. I can tell you that now. We're not winning battles as we should because we're not praising him as we are. Isn't salvation the most miraculous thing that could have ever happened to you? So then we marked in here verse 7 and 8. Notice what verse 7 says. And I will take you to me. Do you see that? See, this is what we call a reflective verb in the, in the Greek. In the Greek language, it's in a reflective verb. It's the idea that when the action is committed, the subject is doing the action. The object is receiving the action, but the subject is doing the action for the subject. When God saved you, he saved you for him. He did not save you for you. He says, I'm saving you for myself. All right, we can sit on that, but I'm not going to sit here long. You must know that when God saved you, he thought about it a little while. Like from all eternity. And he had a plan that he drew up of infinite nature. So by the time he came and got you, you were already paid for and you were destined to be his property for all eternity. There's a sense in which when God loves you, he's merely loving himself. Now, I know for us narcissists that don't feel good, but get over it. Because God is worthy of self-love, is he not? Is God worthy of self-love? So when he glorifies himself by taking sinners who don't deserve it and bring them into the auspices of his goodness, he expects to get all the glory for it. And if nobody tells the world that God is worthy of the glory, the redeemed sinner ought to do it. The redeemed sinner ought to do it. This is why we must get over our narcissism. We must get over our narcissism. This is not about you. This is all about him. As soon as you get over that narcissism and let God have his way, the more he will be glorified in your life. He will do just what he said because he cannot lie. He cannot change and he will not what? 
fail. He will bring you into everlasting glory if you simply let God be God. And if you don't, he's going to be God anyway. Look at verse, listen to it. Look, look what he says, which brings you out from under the burdens of Egypt. You guys really don't know that God actually enjoyed the battle that he had with the false God. Because see, this is always a battle between the true God and the false God. Always. Everything going on today with all the lies that we're dealing with in our political world, social world, uh, educational world, et cetera, et cetera. This is merely a battle between two kinds of gods, the false God and the true God. Did y'all get that? And you must know this. You and I are privileged to be on God's team. But you must understand the strategy and you must engage this gospel appropriately so God gets the glory. Because only God can liberate men and women out of these traps. Only God can open their eyes to help them see what they're blind to. Only God can take away the fear and give them faith and boldness in Christ to stand up against the Antichrist. And that's why God will let you get in trouble. So you can call on his name and he can deliver you because he is a very present help in time of need. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Those are the terms. Those are the terms. Call upon me in the day of your trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Those are the terms. So whenever you're in trouble, the longer you're waiting before you call upon God, you are not glorifying him because God gets glory out of delivering you. It goes on to say in verse eight, so I can keep it moving. And I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a heritage because I am Jehovah. Did God take them out of Egypt? Did he bring them through the wilderness? Did he keep his knucklehead people? Did he bring them into the promised land? Right, because God don't lie. God don't change and God can't fail. And as he did it for them, he will do it for you and me too. Will he not? Do, do, do the people of God today have a destiny? Do we have a home? Do we have an inheritance? Do we have a dwelling place? Is not that dwelling place with God Almighty? Didn't Jesus say, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also? Didn't he pray, Father, I will that those that you have given me be with me where I am. Did he say it? Will he make it good? Then we're simply pilgrims passing through. Did you know that? We're on our way to an eternal city. On our way to an eternal city. We all pilgrims. It's just whether or not you, you, you're on the right course. We're going one way or the other. I want everybody under the hearing of my word today to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is no way to get to the Father but by him. And thus the table is an invitation to sit at meat with the King of glory. Here it is. Here it is. We are now under point number three. Let me keep it going on. The Father's gift of Christ's sacrifice as our what? Priestly duty. So we've already seen that he's pictured in the sacrifices as the center of worship. He is the one who purchases us from our sins. That is, we are called the redeemed by a great price. But he's also the one whose sacrifice indicates that you and I have been drawn into priestly duty. 
It's a beautiful truth here. So today we have a number of people here who don't worship with us as a general rule. You may be saved. You may not be saved. God is able to save you in a nanosecond. But what you get to do when you come into the community of the people of God, you get to see the mystery of salvation working itself out in visible form. Those of you who do not know the true and the living God, you don't realize that today you are drawn by God's grace. You are drawn by God's grace into an experience of reconciliation. That's the role of the priesthood. The role of the priest is to mediate between a holy God and a sinful people. So those of us who are redeemed, we're redeemed sinners. Those of you who are not yet redeemed, you are unredeemed sinners. We are all under the same roof. Hear me now. We are all under the same roof. And now we're being compelled by the sacrifice of Christ to be reconciled to God. That's the role of the priesthood. This is the privilege every believer has. This is why I'm teaching us on Tuesdays and Fridays about a right heart and a right mouth. Because the goal of the person who is redeemed is to help others become redeemed. That's your job. That's my job. As you and I have been graced to draw near to God, we want other people to draw near to God too. And when they see what happens with the table, that's participation and privilege. They're going to see the people of God described as a holy nation, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices unto God through Jesus Christ. That's what they're about to see. And when they see us put people in the water, they're going to be seeing people who said, you know what? I think I want to enter into that kingdom. I think I want to be part of that family. I think I want to be part of that group who were not a people, but now have become a people because of someone being a substitute for our sins. Does that make sense? Now watch the language, therefore, as we understand the gift of Christ's sacrifice as our priestly duty. Leviticus 23 verse 5 gives us The code of sacrificial um, offering in the area of the Passover. There are three major feasts that Israel engaged in every year. Many others, but three major ones. Passover. And then what we have is the uh, um, uh, what we call Pentecost. This is the first fruits Pentecost. And then what they call the ingathering, which was two other uh, feasts as well. The Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Trumpets happened three times a year. We're dealing with the first feast now. This is called Feast of Passover. And in the feast of Passover, notice what it says in the 14th day of the first month at evening is the Lord's what? Right. So Israel knew when they were brought out of Egypt, the very day that they were brought out, a new life began for them. That was the first day of a new life. So every year they would be reminded that the reason for which they are free and redeemed is because something died for God to pass over them in judgment. And they were liberated from their sins and they marked that as the day of the beginning of their newness of life. And it would be true for you and me as well. The moment that you were born again, Christ had died for your sins in principle and you experienced it personally. It is a new beginning for you. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. At that point point and moment where God brings you into the reality of who you are in Christ, you are now moving in a new dimension. And Israel had to be reminded every year the only reason they're free is because God passed over them. And this was to be secured in the ministry of the priesthood of which our language is asserting. Notice what it says in Exodus chapter 19 verses 4 through 6 now. This is how God puts it. 
And I want you to capture this because this is the language that Peter uses in 1 Peter 2. I've just quoted it, but I want you to get it again. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, right? And how I bear you on what? Now, he's using the metaphor, again, of zoomorphisms. He's a great eagle, but it really is a warfare tactic. It's about how God, as a great military army, swept in, took his people out of Egypt, destroyed Egypt, and lifted them up above their enemies to take them to safety. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.